What is the gift of tongues? What does it have to do with me today? Does every Christian speak in tongues? We'll get into all that today on this episode of Churchpreneurs. And before you get all crazy and start blasting me, I'm not a cessationist. Let's get this. Welcome to Churchpreneur's Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything church, theology, and faith-related. Churchpreneur's vision is to accelerate the church in mission, vision, and effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission in our communities. Churchpreneur's hopes to embolden people to fulfill the Great Commission beyond their own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church and theology, hopefully to empower you and your ministry, church, Bible study, theological understanding, and most importantly, your personal growth in Christ. Today, I'd like to take the opportunity to uh, do a review video, actually. Um, This is a video that several people sent to me and asked me if I could do a a video on it. So, hey, um, hit me up in the comment section if you if you have a video or something you'd like to for me to talk about on Church Entrepreneurs. I'd love to address any of uh, your concerns or questions. So today, uh, I would like to review a video that I received uh, from Todd White. Uh, Todd White is a teacher that uh, is very well known for uh, his sort of his uh, going around on streets and uh, healing people or praying for people. And uh, so this video uh, was sent to me um, and it's uh, Todd White uh, talking about the gift of tongues. Um, And I believe the title is Tongues is for Today. Uh, And I guess the subtitle is Charge Your Battery. So uh, let's uh, jump into this. First of all, uh, let's let's maybe get some clear the air a little bit. I personally am not a cessationist, uh, but let's be clear about what the cessation view is. Because the NAR and uh, many in this, uh, the extreme charismatic movement like to convolute and mischaracterize what the cessation position is. So first of all, let's clear the air. I'm not a cessationist, but let's be fair. And the NAR mischaracterizes and misrepresents what the cessation view is. Um, Sometimes they even often mispronounce it and say sensationist. Um, I don't, I don't know what, what, what that's about, but, uh, you'll hear Chris Valaton and maybe even Todd White here and there and others in the movement mispronounce, um, the view it's cessation. Uh, so it obviously comes from the word cease or to not exist anymore. Cessation, um, not sensation. So it's not the sensationist 
viewpoint, all you sensationists out there, how could you be so sensational? I don't know. Um, so it's not the sensationist viewpoint. It's the cessation viewpoint. Um, and so uh, the, the NAR uh, typically like to put people in this category by saying they do not believe in the supernatural or that God heals people anymore or worse yet that the cessationists are against the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is very, very, very far from the truth. That is not the cessation viewpoint. Cessation is the view that the sign gifts, um, let's see, let's, let's just talk about the, the tongues gift, the uh, healing, um, uh, prophecy, uh, those sign gifts have ceased with the closing of the canon of scripture because they're not necessary anymore to reveal God um, since we have the full revelation of God in the scriptures. Now, let me clarify what kind of cessationist or continuationist. I am not a cessationist. I am a continuationist. I do believe that the sign gifts, when practiced, must be practiced in accordance with how the New Testament describes they should be practiced. For instance, uh, Paul lays out clearly the gift of tongues, and it must be practiced in order, not chaos only one or two people speaking at a time, and no one shall speak without an interpreter. This is just the gift of, sign, uh, of, of tongues. So no one shall speak without an interpreter, no more than two at a time. And uh, by those standards alone, most NAR churches or extreme charismatic churches do not practice the sign gifts in order with how the New Testament prescribes it ought to be practiced. Um, and so, uh, furthermore, uh, tongues as practiced in the New Testament were other languages. The supernatural ability to speak, not gibberish, uh, like is typically practiced in the NAR, um, but a an other language. Like, I don't speak Russian, but I would uh, supernaturally, in the New Testament, this is how it was practiced when you talk about Acts 2, where... Um, the uh, New Testament church was given the ability to speak in another language or dialect that they did not know before. So if I were to have the supernatural ability to speak Russian, I speak German and English and uh, I failed French. So um, I don't, I speak two languages and no French. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, I don't, I can't speak Russian, but if I had immediately the supernatural gift to speak Russian, and then on top of that, someone would have the supernatural ability to understand and translate that. That is the gift of tongues. Um, and I, so let's put this packaging on this. I've been in ministry for 25 years and have seen all the chaos, all the unbiblical practices, all the commotion that goes on in the NAR in relation to this matter. Uh, many churches can and do practice this uh, in in a way that uh, with interpreters, in order, not chaos. Um, but unfortunately, most do not practice the spiritual gift of tongues as Paul described. It, it's just gibberish or kind of just working it up in yourself. That is not the supernatural gift of tongues. And so... Um, for me, I am a continuationist 
in the proper form of how tongues ought to be practiced in New Testament order. I've been in a church one time and I heard tongues and then the pastor immediately asked for an interpretation. It was obviously some other language. Uh, for me, it wasn't gibberish. I've been in churches long enough in, in charismatic circles to know what's gibberish, what's not. This was not it. It was wild. It was really like, man, that is some other foreign language. And it wasn't like repetitive, like cha-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, you know, just kind of repeating or saying some kind of Hebrew sounding word or something like that. It was truly another language that I did. I was really surprised. And then, um, and then, and then someone gave an interpretation and it was really awesome. Like I was really surprised. It was a word of strong encouragement, um, biblically centered, um, and missions oriented, funny enough. Anyways, I've been in churches where it has been practiced well in order, not chaos, where everybody's basically speaking in tongues at the same time or what have you. So this is the, this is my understanding and my continuationist viewpoint. The NAR leaders uh, often like to make this debate that we have with the NAR out to be a cessation versus continuation debate, but that is not it at all. The critics of the movement of the NAR have strong disputes with the NAR outside of the cessation debate, namely the view of Christology, Gnostic tendencies, the view of atonement, dominionism, extra biblical revelation, and mostly the emphasis on new revelations received by apostles and prophets. Additionally, the belief that apostles bringing heaven to earth and the way that prophecy is practiced in this movement diminishes the authority of scripture and is very, very tenuous. So um, with that, that's my caveat. Sorry, long caveat, but I wanted to put it out there before everybody goes crazy and says, oh, you're, you don't believe in supernatural. You don't believe in tongues. That's not it at all. Please don't mischaracterize me or critics of this movement. We do believe in the supernatural. We do believe healing is for this age. Um, and God supernaturally does it in according to a sovereign will. I actually have a colleague that we've been talking back and forth about Calvin's view of um, of uh, healing and this, that, and the other thing. Now, um, this is very interesting. I'll put, I'll put this in there as a freebie. Uh, Calvin, some people accuse Calvin of believing that healing was not for today. He did not teach that. I went through the um, Institutes of the Christian Religion again and looked at those sections where he talked about healing. He was addressing the uh, right of unction. Okay, sorry, it's a weird word. I don't know. Uh, the right of unction was basically in those days, in the Reformation times, Catholics would go to people who were dying, basically, either dying of some illness or sickness, and anoint them with oil and heal them and forgive their sins. Several things are going on there. Uh, you Catholic priests could not forgive sins, save Christ alone. Christ alone can forgive sins. Secondly, but those people were dying, and they did often in the end die. And Calvin was trying to address the the idea that you, this this right uh, healed people. 
uh, which it was obviously not doing and not continuing to do. And so Calvin described, hey, these guys have no power or authority to heal people. They're not doing it. And um, namely that just the promise or the expectation that God always only heals is not an expectation that we have. And the uh, priest and, and the Catholic church was actually ex- expressing that they had the apostolic succession. So because of the apostolic succession, they had the right and the ability to heal like all the apostles did. The expectation that it would happen all the time. And it just, that first of all, they didn't have, uh, they couldn't prove apostolic succession. Secondly, those 12, the, the power and the authority that those 12 had died with them. The same power and authority is not extended to us because those were the 12 apostles. So um, Calvin did, and he actually said clearly, I do believe in healing, supernatural sovereign healing. Um, and if you want to go, go look through the uh, institutes, it's in section four. Um, and it's very, very clear. He lays out the whole thing. It's a big, long argument. You have to go through it completely. He did not teach that healing or that uh, supernatural it doesn't exist. Um, that's just not what the reformers taught. So, um, yeah, there's my caveat. <laughs> now, let's, uh, that took me a whole, a whole lot of time there. Let's jump into then now. This is uh, Todd White um, and his video. We're going to whirl up the desktop machine there. Um, This is his video called uh, Tongues is for Today. So I'm going to just play that and I'm going to react. Let's just do it. So here we go. If God, who's way smarter than you, said that tongues is part of the program, then your brilliance shouldn't shouldn't eclipse what he said. Tongues are... Uh, All right. I got to stop it right away. Uh, So Todd here says that tongues are part of the program. If God said tongues was part of the program, um, God never said tongues is part of the program. It's a spiritual gift given as the spirit wills. Can the eye say to the you know, can one part of the body say, oh, I want to be a leg or I want to have this or I want to do that. I want to be that. No, we all have our different roles. We have our different abilities. We have our different giftings. And he gives the gifts as he wills. That is very, very clear. New Testament, throughout the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his spirit, gives the gifts as he wills. Not every single person has the gift of tongues. It's just not an expectation we ought to have. It's like to say, can every person say, oh, I I want the gift of, 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 uh, let's say healing is a gift. Not everyone has the gift of healing or prophecy or, uh, or, or giving. Not everyone has the gift of hospitality. Um, that is a spiritual gift. Not everyone has the gift of teaching or preaching. Those are spiritual gifts. Um, you can't have the, ex- we don't have the expectation that everyone has all the gifts in the entire body of Christ. Um, all 30, some of them. No, we don't all have this spiritual gift. So 
God never said tongues is part of the program. So let me go back here and, and play from about uh, after he talks about uh, tongues being for uh, part of the program. Uh, let's go back and see what he says here. Tongues are one of the most upsetting things to the body of Christ. It just doesn't make sense to their mind. When you become too smart for God, then we're in trouble. All right. So, yeah, if, if, if you're against tongues, I guess you've become too smart for God. That's maybe the point there. Um, Todd accuses half the body of Christ for being too smart for God here. This is highly inflammatory. Um, it, it, he's accusing cessationists of pride and setting themselves up against God. Um, if you basically say are a cessationist and you've said tongues aren't for today, you've set yourself up against God and you've, you're too smart for God. Oh, this is highly inflammatory. Um, Todd prides himself on, on being a unifier. This is not unifying language. I don't know if that makes sense. This is um, divis divisive language. Um, you ought to be able to get with people who are cessationists. Uh, I love my cessationist brothers. I also love my continuationist brothers. But this is divisive language. This doesn't unite. This divides. Let's go forward. Here we go. It's so important. You look at Ephesians when it talks about praying in the spirit, when it talks about praying in tongues, after it talks about all your armor. It's always praying, always in the spirit. Sometimes we kind of check out on that. We think it's gibberish. All right. So Todd here connects praying in the spirit with the armor of God. Um, how about, Todd, read that passage. I would, I would encourage you to read that passage on the armor of God and teach on it. But he just sort of mentions things and, and, and sort of on the side and then connects it, the armor of God, with speaking in tongues. But that passage does not connect the armor of God with speaking in tongues. It just doesn't, it's not connected there. Or praying in the spirit. Um, instead, he, you know, he tells his opinion about that text. It's not there. Con tongues and the armor of God or praying in the spirit are not connected. Um, so let's continue. You can assume what you want, but if Jesus talked about it, we should probably believe it. Are you with me? <laughs> All right. So praying in the spirit, uh, and let me back up to what he said before. Praying in the spirit is not tantamount to praying in tongues. So, um, but like, like where it says, we, uh, when we groan in the spirit with, with words, the spirit groans with us with, uh, the spirit groans with us with words that are too deep. Um, that is not praying in the spirit or that's not tongues. Um, that's the spirit, uh, putting words to our prayers and delivering them to the father. That's not praying in tongues. Uh, Todd says, if, if Jesus talked about it, we should probably believe it. Uh, pray tell, Todd, where does Jesus talk about speaking in tongues? Uh, listener, viewer, if you want to go have a look and try to find it, you'll be looking for a long time because it's not there. <laughs> the, 
the, the tongues came into the picture in Acts 2, my friend. It didn't appear before that. So Todd creates here, uh, again, a teaching that is not there. Jesus didn't talk about speaking in tongues. Here we go. Has Let's keep going. started their day with tongues? I've been praying in the spirit for about 20 minutes on the average every morning to start my day. And I find that it actually <laughs> charges my battery for the day. It's so crazy. What if that was a key? What if you'd wake up and instead of coffee, you'd pray in the spirit? I'm going to start doing it more and more. I'm going to try to get up to an hour every morning. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how it goes in the NAR circles. Um, guys will talk about this particular gift, the gift of tongues or whatever, or their communion with God, where they're listening to God and, and, and speaking with God in tongues. Todd creates here a spiritual elitism when he talks about how spiritual he is, that he, first of all, starts his day with 20 minutes of speaking in tongues and that he's shooting for an hour. Um, the gift of tongues doesn't, first of all, doesn't belong to personal practice. This is a mistake by the NAR Big time mistake by the NAR. The gift of tongues does not belong to personal practice. It belongs to the congregation. It's clear throughout the New Testament that the gift of tongues belongs to the practice within the body of Christ with other people present. It says no more than two or three speaking at a time, and there must be an interpreter. How do you have an interpretation if you're doing it by yourself? Um, it just, it, it's not there. Tongues does not belong to personal practice. If there's no interpreter presence present, then Paul says you ought to be silent and don't speak. If you know there's no interpreter present in the congregation, then, then keep quiet. And if there's two people speaking, one should wait for the other and then speak. And if the, and then an interpretation, there's no precedent for practicing gift of tongue, the gift of tongues in your own personal life and your own private quiet time. It's just not there. It's a gift that belongs to the practice in the church and for the church. The purpose of the gift of tongues is not to recharge your battery. It's for the body. So this is the basically the theme of this video. Uh, the gift of tongues, I mean, it, it, actually the title of the video is Tongues is for Today, Charge Your Battery. So let's keep going. He's going to try and do an hour every morning uh, of speaking in tongues. I'm praying in the spirit every morning, just praying in the spirit. People are like, well, what do you think about Jesus? I think about the throne room. I think about my father. I think about how it's amazing that I can approach the throne of grace in time of need, always, and receive grace, because I need that. I found myself, like when I was praying for the sick on a consistent basis in all the grocery stores and all the malls and all the Walmarts. All right, let's stop there, because... I want to uh, address, I want to go back a little bit uh, and address uh, this whole clip is all about Todd and how spiritual he is and praying for the praying in the spirit and, and so much for praying it for people who are sick and um, for wanting Jesus so much that he's going to spend an hour a day in speaking in tongues. He's creating here a higher and higher pedestal where people will put him on uh, uh, who listen to him and, and follow him uh, to where who wouldn't want to follow someone who prays in the spirit for an hour a day? This guy is a super spiritual guy. It's just all about him. 
you know, it's all about him. Um, so yeah, here we go. He talked, he started to talk about now how he prayed for the sick. So when I was praying for the sick on a consistent basis in all the grocery stores and all the malls and all the Walmarts, when I first was beginning to do this, I found myself every time praying in the spirit. I would go through shopping and I'd be praying under my breath, not out loud, because I'm not trying to draw attention to me. I'm trying to put my attention on the Father. All right, so two things here. Um, he talked about when he started praying for the sick consistently. Uh, notice the language here. It's very interesting. I don't know if he does it on purpose, but it, it's the language. Um, he prayed for the sick consistently in all the grocery stores, in all the malls, in all the Walmarts. He said he prayed for people in all, I don't know if, I think it's probably actually pretty, um, pretty uh, purposeful language. I went every single store I went in, I prayed for the sick. Look how spiritual I am. So again, it's just putting him up and up and up on a pedestal. Um, he said he would uh, pray for the sick. Before he'd pray for the sick, um, he would connect with God or pray in the spirit again. Um the or pray in tongues. Now it doesn't say specifically said he prayed in tongues here, but uh, praying in the spirit he equated before in this video with praying in the in tongues. So again, praying in tongues does not belong to personal practice. It's not your. It's not for you to connect with the Father as he um, continues here in a moment. Um, he says the purpose of praying in tongues is to put your attention on the Father. This sounds real nice. Uh, hey. I want to connect with the Heavenly Father for, for sure. We want to be closer and draw close to God um, uh, because that's, that's what a Christian life is about. That sounds real nice, but I can't think of a single scripture that says that's what tongues is doing. The only understanding I have from tongues is that it's a sign to the unbeliever, as Paul writes. So, um, yeah, so let's move on. I don't think that's what this purpose of tongues is, even though it sounds real nice, connecting with the Father. Love to connect with the Father. We connect with the Father through Jesus Christ, vicarious death and resurrection on our behalf. That's how we connect with the Father. You don't have to try so hard. Uh, what this whole thing builds is it builds this really big effort that we all have to make to try so hard to connect, make that next connection with the Father. It creates a, um, a works-based system that is very, very hard to take that next step. I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a heavy, heavy burden um, to just continually seeking. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on. So when I'm praying in the spirit, I'm putting my attention on the Father. But it says that it edifies and it enlarges my, my spirit, man. So as I do that, what happens is it's almost as if I'm... No, notice how here, this is funny. I'm, I'm not going to... This is just a stylistic thing. Notice how the music is getting ever more intimate and intense. You know, it, it builds, it builds. And he's actually often... I, I every every <laughs> He wants the people to come up and play. It's all about the... Um, the atmosphere, man, building an atmosphere, building an emotional connection where your emotional um, temperature rises with the music, with the playing in the background. He wants someone to play keys and he actually describes and tells people how he wants it played. 
Can you turn that up? Can you play that louder? Can you do this? Can you do that? You watch it. Watch his videos. Watch his sermons. He really raises the temperature emotionally by artificial means, as it were. So this is as well. Anyway, so he goes, I'm talking, uh, he intimates here that speaking in tongues charges your battery. So first of all, he says it's connection with the Father. Then it's the next purpose is charging your battery. It allows you to hear more clear. Purpose of speaking in tongues was never indicated in Scripture as a battery charger. I mean, first of all, batteries back then um, when their writers wrote, or much less allows me to create, gain energy or or to, um, you know, uh, recover or, or whatever, or, you know, just become more charged, right? Whatever that feeling is like, right? Tongues also doesn't allow us to hear more clearly from God. This is a new revelation that is nowhere to be seen or heard in scripture. Tongues doesn't allow you to hear more clearly from God. It's not described as its purpose in scripture or to charge your battery. Paul doesn't talk about how tongues allows you to hear more clearly from God. This is so prevalent in the NAR that they say you can hear from God um, during such experiences like tongues, particularly. Um, you can hear from God personally and, and receive personal revelations. That is an NAR teaching. Um, and the more you dive into this movement, the more, you know, you could even be, become an apostle and, and kind of continually receive personal revelations that are meant for the church. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go to one of these apostolic centers, you can become like your own personal revelation tributary. I mean, you can have just floods and floods of personal revelations coming through you for the church that will uh, break out revival in this generation. So again, uh, the whole concept of this video is tongues is for today. It charges your battery. Uh, tongues charges your battery. That is just not scriptural. There's nowhere in scripture that I can, uh, I'm aware of that um, Paul or any of the apostles write that tongues is charging your batteries so let's keep going charging my battery to where i start to hear more clear do you know that it builds up your spirit man that tongues actually edify your spirit man talks about it in first corinthians 14 right after all right here we go here's where it gets real so um again um it builds so charges your battery then he talks about it builds up your spirit man so Todd talks about First uh, Corinthians fourteen about tongues edifying your spirit, man. Uh, but that's nowhere to be found in First Corinthians fourteen. So let's go through and read this uh, scripture. This is First Corinthians fourteen one through thirty three. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So I would give to Todd that there is some evidence here that when you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking not to God. You're, you're, you're doing it and you're being encouraged by the Lord personally, charging your battery or, uh, you know, speaking to your spirit man, building your spirit man. I don't, don't see it. It's not here. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies it builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. So it's interesting in this movement. If you uh, are a prophet, you're going to be blasting the prophet. You all got to prophesy. Everyone's got to prophesy everyone. And if you're sort of leaning more the tongues issue, then 
you talk about tongues and this is him talking about tongues. We should all prophesy. We should all speak in tongues. Um, yeah, they're spiritual gifts. This is just the one section where it talks about prophecy and tongues in the same sentence. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge of prophecy or teaching? Of course, Paul is an apostle. He can bring revelation. He's talking about himself. We're not, you and I are not able to bring revelation uh, more than what stands in scripture by explaining it and un helping the church understand the revelation. The revelation exists. There's no more revelation. You can't give a new revelation from God. What we have is finished revelation. There's no more extra revelation. So Paul can bring the revelation, but he's talking about what happens. It's better for me that I bring you some kind of teaching. Tongues are unintelligible. They're not really as beneficial and useful. That's the point here. If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if, you, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world. Again, tongues connected to languages. It's a language. None, uh, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and, a, and, a, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So the, the premise here is he's making an argument that we should ought we ought to be focusing more on teaching. <laughs> we ought to be focusing more on prophecy expounding of the word of God for our knowledge and upbuilding and our preparation for battle. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Okay. You're eager for manifestations, but continue to work to build the church in teaching. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. <laughs> like I, I don't understand like what, how these guys don't get it. Like there's gotta be an interpreter for, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind. Also I'll sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen or understand basically right to your Thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is being built up. I thank God. Here he goes, and he talks about this again later. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, it's about the nevertheless. It's not about that I, oh, look, I speak in more in tongues than anybody, and you should all speak in tongues. That's not it. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct you than 10,000 words in a tongue. I don't know how these guys missed this verse. Like, it's about the instruction. He would rather speak five words than 10,000 in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it's written, by the people by people of strange tongues and the by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign 
not for believers, but for unbelievers. Tongues are not about you. It's not about your personal time. It's not about filling up your tank. It's not about charging your battery. It's not about your spirit, man. Um, it's about unbelievers. While prophecy is not a sign for unbelievers, but for believers, teaching in the scriptures is not about unbelievers convincing them. It's about teaching the scriptures so that the sign of, of, of tongues is, man, that guy's speaking Russian, but he doesn't look like he's from Russia. And then you hear an interpretation, and then the person says, wow, the spirit of the Lord really must be with you. Will they not say that you're out of your minds if you're just speaking in tongues and blah, 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 and jibber jabbering? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all. He is called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. It's not about your personal tongue time, 20 minutes to an hour a day. It's about outsiders. Um, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at the most, not the whole crowd. And each in turn, one after the other. One person speaks, interpretation. Other person speaks, interpretation, and so on and so forth. If any speak in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most, and each in turn, and let each interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. So, again, in order, one after the other, two or three at the most, not everyone in the crowd speaking at one time. I was at a conference, a Morningstar conference years and years and years ago. And the, and, uh, the leader got up on the stage and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he blew into the microphone. He blew into the microphone. And everyone fell down and everybody was, the tongues was everywhere. Jibber, jibber, jabber, jabber, everywhere. Everyone's speaking at the same time. I didn't hear a single person say, oh, here's an interpretation. It's just not the order that Paul lays out here. Two or three at a time. Interpret one after the other and speak in turn. Yeah, but if there's no one to interpret, let them keep silent. Um, then uh, they talk about prophecy. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can call, you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. They... Uh, these guys in the NAR and these movements tend to overlook that verse. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Tend to overlook that point, um, but mostly the gift of tongues in churches is practiced in chaos and confusion. Again, I'm not a cessationist. Don't peg me wrong. But if you practice like the Bible says, most churches in the NAR are not practicing tongues in this way correctly. So then uh, he goes on. Uh, let's uh, go back to our desktop machine here after we've read our scripture. And let's see what he has to say. Here, let's, go back a, let's go back a tick so we can... Where I start to hear more clear. Do you know that it builds up your spirit, man? That tongue... 
So again, they, so as I do that, what- in this movement, they talk about, um, um, I can hear. So not only am I speaking in tongues, but I'm more close to God and I can hear, I hear God through this, these means. What happens is it's almost as if I'm charging my battery. Charge my battery so I again. I start to hear more clear. So which is it? Do you charge your battery or do you start to hear more clear? So it's just. Do you know that it builds up your spirit, man? That tongues actually edify your spirit, man? It talks about it in 1 Corinthians 14. Again, we've gone through 1 Corinthians 14. Doesn't talk about your spirit, man. Doesn't talk about edifying your spirit, man. It's just not there. It's just uh, a creation, a figment of his imagination. So. Right after the chapter of love goes in there and it talks about prophecy and it talks about tongues and it says that in a setting like this tongues can be confusing yeah so he says here that tongues can be confusing um that the passage in uh first corinthians 14 says that tongues can be confusing it doesn't say that you know like you look in first corinthians 14 um paul is trying to lay out how tongues can be done in order and not in chaos and not in confusion. So maybe that's what he's getting at. But um, he never says that tongues can be confusing in that passage. He's trying to give the churches an order, a way to do it, that it's done decently and in order. So uh, let's continue here. Let's go back a tick just to get some context then. Tongues, and it says that in a setting like this, tongues can be confusing but there has to be an interpretation. If it's a viable tongue with an interpretation, it helps to provide grace to people that hear it because they understand. <laughs> now, this is funny. So um, at the beginning of the video, he says, you can basically do tongues as much as you want in your own personal time. But then he says here that tongues need an interpretation. Wait, which is it? Um, can you do it for an hour at a time in your own free time? Or... or do you need an interpretation? Um, so I find that interesting. He contradicts himself here. Um, but he's up to this point in this clip described that tongues is a personal, personally and privately is okay. But then goes on to say that tongues have to be interpreted. Can't have it both ways. Either it needs an interpretation or you can do it privately. Um, which one is it? So let's uh, continue. But Paul, you know, he's like, you know, I wish you'd pray one word rather than a thousand words. One word that people understand rather than a thousand words. Well, again, um, he's got it, got it wrong here. If he just read the text and taught the text, he'd have a pro- he wouldn't have any problems. It says 10,000 words. Let me, let's go back and double check if I'm right about that. Yeah, here it is. Uh, he says, nevertheless, in church, I would rather that five, speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So, again, if he just preached the text, it would be clear that it's not a 1,000 words. It's 10,000. But I digress. Maybe I'm splitting hairs. Am I splitting hairs? You can write in the comments. Richard, you're splitting hairs, bro. Um that's not a big deal. It isn't, but it, the passage doesn't say that. Anyways, let's move on. They don't. But then Paul makes this statement, I pray in tongues more than you all. And the key is that it edifies your spirit, man. Pray. In- all right. So again, he kind of uh, makes a, um, speaks, speaks something that's not actually accurate there. Uh, he's trying to 
intimate that I pray in this, I pray in tongues more than you all, more than everybody else. I pray in tongues like he's awesome. And you should aspire to praying in the tongues. That's not what he's getting at. Let's look at the text. Paul says, nevertheless, key word in the scripture, nevertheless, key word in the text there. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But nevertheless, in church, I would rather five words with my mind, speak five words with my mind in order to instruct you, than 10,000 words in the tongue. So first of all, he says, it's a thousand words. I pray, uh, you know, he misrepresents the text saying it's a thousand words in a tongue. Paul says 10,000 words. And he misrepresents the text in saying, Paul's not point is not that I speak in tongues more than you all and look how awesome I am and you should aspire to that. No, he's saying, look, I'd rather five words of instruction in your language, in your known language for your edification than 10,000 words in a tongue. This whole passage is not about tongues. It's about edification of the body of Christ And Paul's saying it's just not as important as teaching and edification. That's the point of this passage, not tongues. I digress. So let's move on and keep seeing where else. In the spirit, strengthening yourself, Jude says, in your most holy of faith. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, the end of that video there. Um, he misrepresents chapter 14 again and says that Paul says, I wish you'd pray more than a th- rather than a thousand words. But uh, Paul didn't write or say that what he's here trying to do to communicate in this chapter 14 about tongues is, uh, is confusing at best. Todd is confusing the issue, muddying the waters and deceptive at worst. It's deceiving people into thinking, that I better try real hard to talk in tongues. I wor- I need to work it up in my own self. And that's just not what he's, that's not what Paul's writing and talking about here. Um, he's certainly not, uh, uh, Paul's not, not saying you shouldn't speak in tongues, but he's saying, look, look for the higher thing in your church services. Certainly have that order of tongues but look toward the teaching, look for the, the edification, look for the way that the Bible is going to, the scriptures are going to encourage your spirit. Um, uh, look at the chapter again for yourself and see what Paul is saying. I wish, I wish I w- uh, he said, I wish you would say five words of intelligible building up rather than 10,000 words, not a thousand words in the tongue. In church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct you rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's saying it's better to have instruction than tongues. This is a bad, bad misrepresentation of what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians 14. He also misrepresents Paul and says that I pray in tongues more than you all. The point is Paul's trying to make here is the nevertheless. The nevertheless is that I'd rather have five words of instruction. Uh, again, Todd closed the video by saying that that tongue strengthens your spirit, man. But there's no scripture that says that 
tongues strengthens your spirit, man. Interestingly enough, why would God give something that strengthens my spirit, man, if it's a gift only to a few people in the body of Christ and not to all of them? Why would the Holy Spirit allow some people to be edified in a way that I can't be edified because I don't have that gift? That doesn't, that not only doesn't make sense, then that creates an elite class of Christian who is able to edify their own spirit man, but I'm not able to edify my spirit man because I don't have that gift. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, it creates an elite class. Maybe five to 10% of the body of Christ have the gift of tongues and the other don't because the Bible's clear. It's a gift. It's not, it doesn't belong to faith in Christ. And again, he started off the video saying it's part of the, it's part of the story. It's part of being a Christian. That's not correct. It's a gift. It's just like me having the gift of preaching or teaching. You having the gift of helps. This person having the gift of faith. This person having the gift of prayer. This person having the gift of hospitality. Those gifts are gifts and not everybody has all of the spiritual gifts. So if five to 10% of the body of Christ has the gift of tongues and they can edify their spirit man, but I'm not able to, because I don't have that gift that creates an elite class of, of Christian and they have access to something that I don't have access to because I don't have that gift. That creates an elitism and it's very, very dangerous. And I, this is, this is dangerous, dangerous stuff because you're saying that you're, you, you have the ability to do something as a Christian that I don't have the ability to do as a Christian. That's truly, truly dangerous. We have you and I as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ have access to everything we need for life and godliness. First Peter says it. You, listening, if you don't have the gift of tongues, you have everything you need to live life in Christ. You don't need the gift of tongues. Certainly God could give it to you. That would be great. But you don't need it to edify your spirit man. You edify your spirit man through the scriptures and communion with God daily. You don't need the gift of tongues for it. Now, Christian, if you do have the gift of tongues, praise God for that. But the gift of the purpose of the gift of tongues is to edify the body. It's not meant for you to be practiced in your personal life. Now you may debate that with me. Okay, we can do that. But um, this creates an elitism, a spiritual elitism. And uh, I'm very sorry, but uh, this is a definite deception that Todd has has uh, engaged in here. It's interesting. Uh, I got lots of feedback from this video. A lot of people um, told me what they, someone had uh, uh, reached out to me and said that Todd, they had been rescued out of Todd's school about a year ago, and they could hardly stomach watching him anymore. Um, he, he, they said he paraphrases scriptures, and he did here. He just kind of takes little bits and pieces to prove the, uh, the, the, the position. Um, it takes stuff out of context and misquotes, misquotes and misrepresents the scripture. So he talked about first Corinthians 14 and talked about, there's a spirit man there, which just, just 
does it's not there. Um, a lot of confusion would be avoided if we looked at scripture as a whole, instead of taking one text out of context, one text here, one text there, we took Acts 2 and looked at it, looked at the gift of tongues in Acts 2. It's really clear. It's another language. Those people at Pentecost were speaking another language. You know, uh, Peter was actually saying, look, uh, we're not drunk as you suppose. These are, it's the middle of the day. And, and we're, you know, we're all in our right minds. And people were actually speaking at that time in, a, in their own language. And the people who were coming from everywhere in the world could hear it and understand it in their language. So people were speaking Hebrew or Aramaic. And people would understand it in the language from where they came. That's crazy. Um, and even just the word glossa or glossolalia um, is just the word in, in Greek is just the word tongue or language. Um, so this is uh, really, really bad and, and, and could really uh, damage people's faith. Um, it's hard to know what to say here besides this is not the clear representation of the continuationist position. Um, continuationists believe that tongues can and should be practiced uh, and the sign gifts. Um, but if this is the continuationist position, if he's what he's teaching here is what I would have to hold to to be a continuationist, then I'm not a continuationist. Um, so the NAR presents the uh, position of tongues and how it's meant to be practiced. If that's continuationism, then I'm not a continuationist. I describe tongues, how it ought to be practiced. No more than two or three speaking at a time in the church, not personally. It's not meant for your personal use or your personal edification. It's meant for the edification of the church. Um, it's meant to be practiced in the corporate body, not in the private body. It's meant to be practiced um, with an interpreter. You can't do it alone if you have to have an interpreter. So, um, but the way it, that that's that's my style of continuationism, as it were. Um, but if you if Todd wants to say, well, this is the continuationist position, then I'm not I'm not that kind of continuationist for sure. But I'm not a cessationist either. So, anyways, uh, that's. That's my story, and I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, thanks for sticking with. I know that was uh, meant to be a short video. It turned out to be kind of long because this is a little bit of crazy stuff um, in this video. And uh, I wanted to make sure that there was a reaction to it. Like, look, um, this is not um, – He's Todd is misrepresenting the truth, misrepresenting the scriptures, and misrepresenting what the gift of tongues is all about. Thanks for watching and listening to this episode of Church Premier's Podcast. You can find out more information at my website, richardpmore.net. I also blog at richardpmore.blogspot.com. You're welcome to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at richardpmore23. You can also email me at churchpreneurs at gmail.com. It's like church and entrepreneurs in one pizza pie. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or comments or questions, please reach out on one of those platforms. God bless you. Until next time, take care. Thank you.